set your mind free with a free plan from Fidelity. Start by organizing your plan around what matters most to you. As you go, you'll be able to see your full financial picture, which covers spending, saving, debt, and goals in one simple view. Get started by visiting fidelity.com slash free plan. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick, Russell Westbrook Wizards jersey out, Gino Smith, <laughs> jersey in. We're going to talk NFL draft today with Brad Spielberger of PFF. Drew, how are you, and how did you enjoy the Sacramento Kings? Uh, I absolutely loved that game. Uh, I had an enormous position on the under. I had all unders in every which way. Uh, and when Draymond got ejected, I had like this chill run down my spine, like, oh my God, this is going to go to overtime. Uh, this is not good. There's just going to be un- unfettered offense for the last four minutes here, and I'm going to be under pressure. But uh, thankfully, the Kings have a heart and spine, and they like the beam uh, like <laughs> champions. And, uh, you know, it was a really, really fun game. I was obviously cheering for the Kings because, uh, you know, the Warriors tying that thing up and sending it to overtime would have been bad news for me. So uh, it should be, a, it's, it's been an incredibly entertaining series. I wish the rest were a little less involved yesterday. That was maybe my only complaint. But uh, so far, the Kings in their day, day, you know, their debutante performance in the playoffs have absolutely delivered in every way. And this is going to be a very fascinating series to watch play out now. Yeah, Sacramento Kings are minus 180 to win the series now, which is still strange. I'll stay out loud, but that's where we're at. Uh, we'll talk NBA at the end of the show, but for now, let's bring in uh, Brad Spielberger of PFF. Let's talk about the draft. Thanks for joining us, Brad. Uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, Bryce Young, uh, a couple of weeks ago, was what, plus 325 to go first overall, and now he's minus 1,000. He's even minus 2,000 some spots. Do you think that we go forward with the draft and draft betting as though this is just done and, uh, and Bryce Young is going first? I do. I think the draft now starts at two with Houston. I love it. Uh, let's let's dive in then, because <laughs> uh, this is now uh, ten different ways you could take this. Houston is playing possum. They're trying to trade out of the two, or just to spiel out what kind of value they have at the two, because uh, they presumably have a pretty decent gap between Bryce Young and the next best quarterback on their board. Um, and Jay and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. My opinion has not changed. Ultimately, I think Houston is just doing their due diligence. They're kind of feeling a little bit of uh, maybe uh, remorse for not trading up to the one with the Bears uh, and just getting you know locking in Bryce Young. And I think ultimately they just settle for their QB uh, at two, as opposed to taking a defensive player, which has been floated or trading out of the two. Um, I won't ask your opinion of whether or not you think that will happen. I will just uh, kind of postulate, could it be Will Levis in that spot? Or do you think CJ Stroud ultimately gets the, gets the call at 1.02? 
if the Texans stay at two, I think they will draft Will Levis. Yeah, I think he is the number two quarterback on their board. If they decide, you know, we're not going to go the defensive route, like you said, there's no chance they trade up from 12. Like people are floating. Like if you're going to take the quarterback, you're just going to go ahead and do it um, at two. And, and I think it would be Will Levis. Unreal. Okay, well, let's talk about the <laughs> ripple effects uh, of all of that. So how do you feel uh, that the first four picks of the draft unfold? So you think it goes Young, Levis, and then what do you think happens at three and four? Well, I will say, I do think, I think that the defense thing is real. I think it probably will be Will Anderson, but, but if, it, if it was Levis, um, at three, I think Arizona is going to try very, very, very hard to trade out. Obviously, I think at this point, the only marks really are the Las Vegas Raiders at seven and the Tennessee Titans at 11. I, we mentioned Atlanta pre-show. I think it's real. I do not think Atlanta is going to make a move for a quarterback in this draft. Maybe we'll get into them a little bit later. But, but yeah, so then at three, I think it is, do you take Tyree Wilson? Do you maybe even take a Jalen Carter? Do you take a Christian Gonzalez? I think is a bit of a sleeper, um, or do you just try very, very hard to, con- to convince the Raiders or Titans to trade up to three to get ahead of the Colts to take Anthony Richardson, which I think would be the only way you sell that is you say, Indy's taking Richardson if you don't come up and beat them you know, with, with number three. So with the Texans, um, because everything is going to hinge on this, do you think it's malpractice, them not taking a quarterback at two, given the quarterbacks available? Or do you think that the talent is such that, yeah, it makes sense to take a Will Anderson? Because I've been operating under the assumption that, you know, teams uh, are going to act somewhat rationally and draft quarterbacks when they have positions of need uh, and they're picking that high in the draft. But is it not even irrational to take a defensive player because of the quarterback talent? I think letting yourself win, what, two of their last three games, in particular, obviously the Week 18 game with the miraculous comeback, uh, was was malpractice. I mean, why be that bad for that long and not just solidify yourself in that number one overall pick? Uh, as a Bears fan, I appreciate it. But, yeah, so uh, I do, and I, I wouldn't say, like, you need to force a quarterback pick, but I do think there is an argument to be made of, Look, these are good prospects. A lot of teams like them. They're probably going to go pretty early. I think all, all four will be top 15 picks or so. Um, if you can't take one and now you're pitching, you know, we have Bobby Sloak from the 49ers. We're bringing in this quarterback-friendly offense. We have, a, we have a pretty good offensive line, frankly. Need to get some better weapons. But, yeah, if you can't develop the, the second through fourth quarterback in this class, like what are you really good for as coaches and as developers <laughs> of talent? I think it's, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that is fair to say um i don't know see okay so i we don't have strong intel that the texans are really going to take a defender or two i think this is people putting the puzzle pieces together because the texans are shopping the two to trade out uh and i see kind of a, a just sort of a landscape here where texans want to trade out of two cardinals want to trade out of three I've heard Falcons are trying to trade out of eight. The Eagles are trying to trade out of 10. The Bears are trying to trade out of nine. Okay, that's five teams in the top 10 that are trying to trade down. And obviously, there is no demand among the teams kind of in the teens to get into the top 10. And it feels like ultimately there's going to be a lot of bluster and or just a lot of due diligence is happening right now to see what those picks value are uh, in, in just in the marketplace. And then these you know teams are going to be stuck just making those picks. And I, I, I really struggle to see, um, you know, how you I don't know. I, I just I just struggle to see how you get uh, get past. Uh, addressing the quarterback position if you're the Texans, uh, if you're stuck taking the pick at number two. And I, so I think uh, ultimately the bet is uh, love is to go to. And um, part of my reason, uh, you know, the other thing I'll add to that, I do think that it's pretty clear that uh, the Colts have Lovis. 
higher on their board than Stroud and Richardson. And for those reasons that, uh, you know, the Texans kind of know that in division, they could be facing the guy that they have graded QB2 in this draft if they don't take him at two. Uh, and I think that's a kind of a soft factor as well, right? If you're, you know, if you pass on him and then you end up playing him twice a year for 10 years and, you know, that everybody's, everybody loses their job. Like that's, that's a, you know, he, he succeeds. That's a disaster for you. So uh, I think there are a lot of kind of soft indicators here that say that it goes young uh, Levis. And I think that's a fun exact to bet if you can find that out there anywhere uh, at, a, at a pretty nice price. The theory I have about sort of a, a glut of teams trying to trade down, does that ring true given what you've heard? Uh, and you know, do you think ultimately we see a lack of trades in the top 10 because there is so little demand? Everything you just touched on, I've heard all the same teams, and I do. I think it's indicative of this is not a class that is perceived super highly. And when you have, like you said, what, five teams that we all have at least heard some rumblings they want to move down, it's probably not a lot of demand. They're trying to drum it up. I I agree. I think it's going to be we sit there and and we know the teams are trying to trade, but either they don't because there's no callers or the callers know they don't have to offer that much and the price isn't that strong. And, you know, as we should know, teams really, they don't want to be viewed as, you know, losing trades and stuff like that. So I agree. I think we might be sitting there like around eight through 10 is when I think the first trade might actually happen. And even then it may not. Okay. Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. One of the stranger teams operating in existence right now. This time last year, they were the favorite to win their division. Now they are very much not the favorite to win their division. Uh, In terms of who they're going to pick at four, uh, do you think it's as simple as the best quarterback between Will Levis or the remaining quarterback between Levis and Stroud that they take? Um, should one of those guys be available? And potentially if both are available, where would you see them landing? I would go Anthony Richardson, uh, even if okay. both of those guys were available. Um, I... <laughs> You know, I think they do. They feel comfortable sitting there at four and they have not. Look, they did not really make a lot of strong indications to Chicago at one that they were trying to come up. I think they feel comfortable that they can sit there and get one of these players. Um, but, yeah, I think Richardson is their guy. And I think they do feel fairly confident he might just be there wow. at four. Wow. Okay. Oh. Well, Richardson is the third favorite uh, currently to go fourth behind Levis and Stroud. Though that is a little bit bunched up. And I think a lot of this is like – there's a lot of Chinese whispers around, you know, who who teams like. And I think that a lot gets lost in translation. For instance, there's, there's just no buzz at all about Anthony Richardson going two. But the strongest kind of hearings that I've heard out of uh, around Houston and people who are plugged in is that it's not so much the infatuation with Levis. It's more the infatuation with not Stroud. Uh, and it just seems like they're not going to take CJ Stroud second um, for a variety of reasons, uh, which we don't have to get into. But uh, I do think that, yeah, Anthony Richardson, he seems to have just gone somewhat under the radar. Where do you see Richardson going, Joe? I think he slides. <clears throat> and it's not necessarily because of, you know, I think he's been over, you know, the value and the evaluations have missed. I think it's much more of a uh, Texans, I think, take Stroud. I'm sorry, sorry, excuse me. Texans, I think, take Levis. Uh, and that then I think Cardinals have a difficult time trading out of the three um, and take a defender. Uh, and honestly, like the Colts are in a tough spot because they need a guy that they can start week one, realistically. Uh, and I don't think Anthony Richardson's that guy. The Colts are the sort of the one team where I would ha- I'm the most I mean, I respect Brad's opinion, but uh, I found it surprising just because I feel like uh, they're the team least um, inclined to. Uh, go with the high upside development guy. 
just because of the, where they are in their in their arc. But uh, maybe I'm I'm missing something entirely there because you know I no one that I know really has a very strong read on what's going on with the the Colts board other than they have Levis over Stroud, and it seems like everyone I've talked to that's picking in the top ten has Levis over Stroud, which is kind of surprising. But here we are. Um, the uh, yeah, so I think ultimately Colts, uh, you know. Colts are still a wild card. They take a quarterback, and I would lean Strouds very, very lightly uh, just because I think he's more likely a guy you can play early in the season as opposed to a guy you have to really work hard to develop. Does that make sense, Brad? Makes total sense. I will say, I think for two reasons. Look, Chris Ballard buying himself more time. That's what he's the king at. Uh, so maybe you could argue that Anthony Richardson buys him even more time in this job. That's and then right, I think man. when you hire Shane Steichen, you know, we're talking pre-show about Jalen Hurts' extension. Shane Steichen's a big reason for that, right? He's a big part of developing that type of player, of making defenses, you know, that you face easier for your quarterback by using their rushing ability and their talent. And that, to me, is Anthony Richardson. I agree, though, um, that he, you know, mm. Gardner Mitch is probably getting more starts if it's Richardson over CJ Stroud. Yep, that makes sense. Let's uh, talk about my Seattle Seahawks uh, who uh, haven't been covered as much because it doesn't seem like they're going to take a quarterback. Do you think there's any chance, Brad, that they could take Richardson if Richardson slides to five or do you think that they just go uh, the best defensive player on their board? It's there, I wouldn't be shocked, but I do think, and I know Peter King put this out now, uh, he said it was the worst kept secret, and, and I would agree with that assessment. Like, I think the, the, the Jalen Carter window opens there, and I think five, six, frankly, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like, he's going in that range, and I think Seattle might know that and just go ahead and take him. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. The Carter thing is fascinating. A guy pretty plugged into the Seahawks out of the UK has been kind of adamant that Seahawks really would not ever go in that direction just because of the questions at character. And, uh, and honestly, uh, his case is pretty airtight, (laughs) I gotta say, because Seattle went, they tacked directly into, we want high football, you know, you know, you guys who are committed to the game and who are going to work hard and who are going to develop into, uh, you know, guys we can play for five, 10 years. And, uh, you know, the, the, the buzz and the reports around Carter and his practice ethic, you know, his work ethic at Georgia are really, really spooky and everybody knows this. And so it's, it's tough for me to see him really fitting in Seattle. Uh, and I kind of assumed that their board looks like Will Anderson, please Will Anderson fall to us at five. Hopefully Will Anderson is there at five. And if not, uh, then maybe they think about Anthony Richardson or, or, or the long-term quarterback prospect. But um, let's uh, let me ask you. Uh, you know, we, we've we've covered uh, the top four quarterbacks every which way. I don't think uh, you know, and the fact that we're this close to the uh, uh, the draft and don't really have any answers has made it a, one of the more fun drafts, but also one of the more difficult to bet because there just hasn't been much liquidity because everybody's afraid of the you know the 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 um, sort of the uh, the scenario unfolding where you know everybody knows and you're the last to know and you're taking all this you know liquid you know taking all this um uh getting all this exposure on what ultimately is the correct outcome here um but uh do you think that we start to crystallize some of this top five between now and the start of the draft or do you think we will sit there and uh be truly surprised when picks two three four five come in I think we could get a little bit more indication. Not a ton, though, right? Because Arizona is truly just a a total wild card. Um, But I think now that one seems to be solidified, then maybe that kind of trickles down a little bit. Uh, But I agree with you. I I don't think we're going to have a lot of, you know, because Carter is a massive question mark, because the quarterbacks are so unique, I think think one of Richardson, Stroud, or Levis could be outside the top 10, frankly. Um, I I don't think we're going to have a ton of clarity coming into the draft. 
Yep. All right, let's uh, let's talk about offensive linemen. Uh, in terms of the first offensive lineman draft at the market right now is Peter Skoronsky. He's the favorite very slightly over Paris Johnson Jr. That's close to a pick. Do you have a lean, Brad, between who of those two would get picked first? Yeah, I think this is a classic example, frankly, of um, we are projecting onto the league and we think, oh, you should take a tackle. You can't take a guy that has short arms and might be a guard and all of these things. Uh, my understanding is Skaronsky is well ahead of the rest of the offensive linemen in this class mm. on pretty much every team. Even the teams that do say he's a guard and those teams do exist, they're comping him to guys like Zach Martin and you know, elite talents at guard. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I buy that. Um, and, and I will say in general in the draft i think pretty much any minus money bet is a sucker bet in the draft um but if you're betting anything here um i think skaronsky being the first offensive lineman um is pretty solid uh, i've gotten kind of a read bet we're gonna see o-line go 9 10 11 ish uh maybe all three of those picks and so i think figuring out first offensive lineman is figuring out who the bears really covet and the bears have vetted so many people it's impossible <laughs> do you have a read on who the bears like what about you Brad I think they honestly would like to trade down more than anything Uh, if they're sitting there at 9 and and Jalen Carter's off the board I think they want to just move down Um, I think they would probably go tackle I'll tell you this though Um, I wouldn't rule out the Detroit Lions and the Las Vegas Raiders in in the offensive line market as well okay interesting that makes sense All right, let's uh, hit a quick read and then talk about first cornerback drafted a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster get the latest injury updates player news and much more delivered right to your phone it's available in the app store today All right, first cornerback drafted market Devin Witherspoon minus 225 pretty heavy favorite but not off the board by any means then Christian Gonzalez is plus 160 then outside of that, it starts to get a little fanciful. Uh, what do you make of this market, Brad, between Witherspoon and Gonzalez? Yeah, this will be my biggest exposure in the draft, probably by a decent amount. Um, and I think Christian Gonzalez is, is the pick here for sure. Um, I, I don't know why this market keeps swinging back and forth. I know a lot of it is tied to mock drafts. A lot of it is tied to, oh, Devin Witherspoon can eat glass with Dan Campbell and all these like these picture-perfect <laughs> things. Um, I, I would be shocked. I would be downright shocked if it's not Christian Gonzalez first. Like I said, though, I, I could be wrong, but that will be my biggest exposure of the draft. I don't know. The eating glass correlation is pretty strong. <laughs> the last time I, you know, had a guy tied to a coach because they both ate glass, it was it was a hundred percent. So I, I don't know about this one. <laughs> uh, I will say though that uh, there's enough uncertainty about what the Lions will do. I agree with you. It's not out of the question that they would take an offensive tackle. It's not out of the question if Anthony Richardson is available at six, they wouldn't take him as a project. Uh, I think the Lions are definitely sneakily in the quarterback market if someone slides. Uh, and I think uh, that could really ups, you know, that could really turn that market on its head because I think Witherspoon is a favorite only because people have decided that it is already a done deal that he's going to the Lions. And I think the, you know, the top five unfolding in an uncertain way uh, could create uncertainty there. So, and actually, let's go back to your point, Brad. Laying juice in a market like that, where you're expecting that the sixth pick will certainly be this is a sucker bet this far out of the draft. So uh, we fully, fully agree there. Um, the, uh, do you have a read and just in terms of, uh, you know, how the quarterback, cor- excuse me, cornerbacks overall are evaluated by this year's draft? Because I have a, I do have one minus money play in the accounts tied to a, a number of other, uh, you know, parlay pieces that 
that is uh, uh, over four and a half cornerbacks drafted in the first round, uh, or actually I think it's defensive backs, which hopefully includes safety, but we'll see. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> do you have a read on just in general? This is a good cornerback class. We're expecting uh, five, six of these guys to get picked on day one. I think it's a great bet. I think four are an absolute lock, and those would be, of course, Gonzalez, Witherspoon, Joy Porter Jr., and I've actually heard Emmanuel Forbes could be the fourth cornerback taken, um, and then Deontay Banks looks like he'll be a first-rounder as well, um, and then you hear some talk of, like, maybe a guy like DJ Turner in Michigan sneaks in. Um, of course, your, your friend of Brian Branch didn't test very well, but is a phenomenal football player. Whether he's a safety or a corner, you get the DB. Importantly, I guess I should mention, a lot of these websites use NFL.com's positional designation, um, and they have Brian Branch as a cornerback, so if that's your bet, you should be safe there. But yes, the over four and a half, I think, is probably one of the few position type bets I'll, I'd probably place here. Okay, I like it. Uh, let's talk about Bijan Robinson. A lot of uh, Bijan to the Falcons hype. The Falcons now plus 250 to be the team that drafts Bijan Robinson, uh, edging in front of the Cowboys and the Texans and the Eagles, who are in the six to one to seven to one range. Do you think Bijan ultimately ends up uh, on the Falcons, Brad? I think that's where it starts. Like, I think that's where serious consideration comes in. I know people are mentioning, like, Tyler Algier having a thousand-yard season. Uh, You know, Washington, you always hear, oh, they just took Brian Robinson. Like, those guys are not preventing these teams from taking Bijan Robinson in any way, shape, or form uh, with all due respect to those players. So, I kind of do think he goes top ten. I don't know who's going to take him. I don't think Chicago or or Philadelphia do it. So, I guess that would be Atlanta would be my answer. Um, Yeah, I think he's going to be a top 16 pick, no question about it. It's just, it's so hard to find a landing spot. It really is. (laughs) And honestly, the, the, I don't know if, if, uh, if you were doing draft draft grades and the Falcons took Robinson at eight is your immediate reaction. Like what, what happened, what happened here? Like, you know, we, we learned nothing really. Like it, it seems insane to use that much draft capital in the running back, especially in a market like this, where there's, going to be a million options you can go to for you know absolutely dirt cheap deals uh after the draft is over i mean you know is is this you know are are we really still considering a top 10 pick on running back it's crazy too because i I get that it's a weak class and people say oh well we don't like the guys other positions let's just take a quote-unquote generational running back but it's also a very deep class at running back like i like a lot of guys on late day two day three i think could come in and be tyler algier you know for fantasy football purposes whatever um so yeah i think it would be insane or i think it will be insane i also fully expect it to happen (laughs) uh brad is there any other team on day one that you think you have a really good grip on who they're going to take or what position they're going to lean anyone uh, on the board that you like. Yeah, so uh, you know, obviously referenced it a little bit. The always taking the plus money, the longer odds. I think the biggest sucker bet in all of the draft is when you do the the team position link and you take the favorite that is like minus one twenty five or even honestly plus one twenty five, plus one fifty. Um, so I mentioned Lions. Last time I checked, it may have changed, but Lions to go offensive line is forty to one right now. So I mentioned them before. It was Peter Skaronski specifically, and and the thesis is this: that look, uh, Taylor Decker has two years left on his contract. A good player, not a great player, but a very good player. Penny Sewell playing at right tackle, a phenomenal player. You take Peter Skaronski, you play him at right guard, which as of today, it'll either be Halapulavati Vitai or Graham Glasgow who are on basically minimum contracts this year. You put Skaronsky at right guard, and then when Taylor Decker moves on, you slide Sewell over to left tackle, and you put Peter Skaronsky at right tackle. That's that's the thought there. I think 40-1 to is great value. Second one, staying in the NFC North. The Packers are 4-1 to to go defensive line. Everyone uh, and their mother is going, oh, they're going to go wide receiver. They're going to go tight end. 
I think they are right in that range of Lucas Van Ness, Miles Murphy, those type of players. I think four to one, not as long odds, but I think is a very good bet. Wow. Okay. okay. Detroit Lions offensive line, 40 to one. Christian Gonzalez plus 160 and Packers uh, four to one D line. Uh, it's a lot of good stuff uh, to jump all over. Uh, Brad, can you let people know uh, what you're working on leading up to the draft uh, and also remind people where to follow you? Yeah, of course. So I put out an article today about five offensive veterans that could get traded during the draft. I'll have five defensive veterans coming out later this week. Uh, we'll, of course, be mocking our socks off every day until we actually get to the draft. So you can see all of that uh, at PFF.com. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Brad. Good luck to you. Good luck to Christian Gonzalez being the first <laughs> Thank you, guys. Good luck as well. Cheers. All right, before we get into some NBA chat, every season is draft season. Drew, get your Roto World Draft Guide bundled today. Dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, projections, rankings. Order today and get all three Rotoworld draft guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Berry and save an extra 20% at checkout. Set your mind free with a free plan from Fidelity. Start by organizing your plan around what matters most to you. As you go, you'll be able to see your full financial picture, which covers spending, saving, debt, and goals in one simple view. Get started by visiting fidelity.com slash free plan. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, 
Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. NBA back tonight. Show goes on. Uh, some solid enough matchups tonight. At least two of the three are. One is very much in the Nets Sixers type of uh, bracket, which is Celtics Hawks, which you don't need to spend a ton of time on unless you've got a bet on it. But uh, what are you playing tonight? Yeah, I got a bet on all of them, man. Wow. <laughs> what, are we, what are you kidding? What are we kidding? This is the NBA playoffs, Jim. Uh, no, I think uh, I liked under Hawks Celtics in game one. Uh, I thought it will even the, that it even got close was just to the degree that the Hawks completely decided to not play defense in the second quarter. Um, I don't think there's really any adjustments that the Hawks can do to start their offense, you know, to get their offense going against the Celtics team. That is kind of a perfect matchup for them defensively. I think that this total is too high for the second straight game. And I am under in the Hawks Celtics. Uh, I think the, um, um, in general, the, the, the side Celtics minus 10 and a half is a little high, but I'm not interested in betting the Hawks in this game whatsoever. So under 230, it is for me uh, in the opener. How about you? Yeah, I've got not much interest in uh, this game uh, in terms of Hawks Celtics. I did have a quite a couple, a few series bets yesterday, though. Uh, so what I played yesterday was the Milwaukee Bucks minus 240 to beat the Heat as soon as it was. Uh, reported by Sham, so Giannis is uh, they're optimistic about his availability to play game two. Uh, and given that the x rays were negative, uh, I suspect that he will be playing, and the line certainly reflects that at the moment. So, Bucks minus 240, very reminiscent of when I think they lost game one to the Bulls uh, last mm. season, and then were yeah, minus 240 to beat the Chicago Bulls. This Miami team isn't good at all, I don't know, it's all a little bit of mistake uh, off of getting the one seed last year and uh, and pushing the Celtics to game seven. I mean, that was a different team largely and they're not playing at nearly the same level. They don't have the same availability of players. They're hugely dependent on Caleb Martin and Kevin Love is getting real minutes uh, and they're just not just not playing at the same level uh, and yeah, got waxed by the Hawks and barely beat the Bulls uh, in games yeah. that they needed to win to uh, save their season. So all in on the Bucks minus 240. Also, by the same token, all in on the Suns at minus 170. Uh, I don't think that Russell Westbrook will be putting his Scottie Pippen costume on again on the defensive end. Uh, I just don't believe in this Clippers team. I believe in Kawhi Leonard, but there's just no, there's just not enough depth of real strong above average players um, to keep pace with this Suns team, who I think continue to figure things out each game, uh, and they're going to play better than they did in game one. So I like the Suns minus 170, and then the underdog uh, plays tonight. The Cleveland Cavaliers bet them at plus one. 46 uh, to win the series against the Knicks. I think Josh Hart, uh, who's limping around on his ankle, is the doubtful for tonight. I think that is a really big deal. And it's not just because Hart is out, but when guys go out, it's all about what the drop-off is to the next man up. And yep. so uh, if, for instance, Quentin Grimes goes out, that's a big loss, but Emmanuel quickly can fill a lot of those minutes. If Josh Hart is out, that means more RJ Barrett. <laughs> RJ Barrett in the first place. I thought it was very concerning that despite RJ playing horribly, that Tibbs stuck with him until there were 80 seconds left in the game yeah. before finally bringing in Grimes. 
I just don't think RJ is very good. I don't think he fits next to Randall and Robinson at all. I don't think he really fits next to Bronson. I don't think he really fits next to anyone. Uh, I don't think he's very good. Uh, and so I think there's going to be a lot more of him. So I like the Cavs to play less Chetty Osman as defensive stopper and uh, and ultimately win this series. But uh, what say you, Drew? Um, I think that's a fair breakdown. I will only say that I didn't play it for the series, but I did play the Cavs tonight at minus five and a half. I think six is starting to get closer to fair, but it's still a fine play. Um, here's the problem. If you're playing RJ Barrett more in this game, you are going to get beat. I agree with you. But you are going to learn that you are going to have to pivot away from him as the series goes on, which I think tilts the balance in favor of the Knicks. So I almost feel like there's a this is counterintuitive, maybe, but I feel like Tibbs is going to learn the lesson the hard way that uh, he can't have RJ Barrett out there one way or the other. And now, if it's a if it's a matter of Hart is just unavailable entirely because he's injured, then you know, so be it. Then you made a great, great series play on the, on the Cavs. But, um, you know, I, I, I am concerned that we get to game five, six, seven and Hart is better and Barrett is benched. And now we're talking about Knicks are, should, you know, are, are, are going to move on to the next round. Cause you know, the, the way Brunson's playing and you know, playoff Brunson is just freaking awesome. And I know that Donovan Mitchell is, is a special player. I know that he was a, you know able to be just truly pretty unbelievable offensively for the Cavs in game one, even in a losing effort. But, um, you know, Cavs depth is a problem. Cavs coaching is a problem. Cavs having answers, solving puzzles <laughs> over the balance of the series, I think is going to be a problem. They just don't have enough first, you know, enough tendency breakers, enough versatility. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if once, if, and when Thibodeau learns he needs to pivot away from, uh, RJ Barrett, I think, uh, Cavs are in a little bit of trouble, but, um, Cavs for me tonight, I laid the points. I think that's a fun bet. Your other two bets, I completely agree with. You didn't even mention in the heat game or the heat uh, series, uh, Tyler hero broken hand. Uh, yeah. I think the heat, the shots are going to dry up for the heat. Uh, they're not going to shoot that well. Uh, it can't, they're just not a good shooting team. That was a little bit fluky. Um, and, uh, yeah, Giannis being healthy is going to make a huge, huge difference in terms of getting you know defending jimmy butler at the rim so i think that's a good look um and uh i like your son's look too because you know the sun's clippers game one had a very feel amount you know kind of a vibe um and if i rewatch that tape i think the answers to what i'm going to do from an adjustment standpoint are really 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 straightforward for phoenix uh, you know, the, you kind of mentioned it. Everybody else on the floor with Kawhi Leonard, particularly in the rotations where Westbrook is playing center, pack the paint, double Kawhi. Like you are literally going to be able to dry up the uh, Clippers' offense to nothing if you kind of do those two steps. You can get you can get away with small ball and do that. Uh, and so I think the Suns have a lot of um, you know a lot of chess moves left to get the better of the Clippers there. And actually my favorite play of the night is uh son's first half. I laid the minus five. I think they're going to have come out, you know, they're incentivized now to come out with those adjustments in the first half of this game. Whereas the Clippers literally can just run back their plan from game one uh, because it worked as well as it did. So uh, son's first half for me tonight, Cavs, I laid minus five and a half and then Celtics Hawks. I played under two thirty and a half. and a half. There you go. Yeah. I think the issue with the Clippers is, 
without Paul George, they just don't really have any levers to pull. Like they've just got to play their guys, like going small against this team. I mean, they, they need to play Zubash because he's one of their best players uh, and you don't have the, really the luxury of changing things up. Whereas Phoenix, they have so many different lineup configurations that yeah. they can mess with until one of these things work. It's kind of, it's when you're that kind of rich in talent, it's the same thing with like, uh, if you're a Premier League team and you've got more money than everyone else, then you just keep on plugging in different players until you find the lineups that work. And it's a similar thing um, with, I think, the Phoenix Suns, um, who they just they're going to figure it out. And I just I just don't believe in the talent level of the Clippers. Just quickly on Knicks Cavs because I think this is in a way the most interesting series along with Warriors Kings. What I found really interesting is that last year when Dallas played Utah. Jalen Brunson completely cooked Donovan Mitchell and it was kind of embarrassed and Mitchell was on like Harden level mixtapes of just the memes of him getting cooked. That, yeah. that wasn't happening uh, in game one. Mitchell was right. fine defensively and he's actually been pretty solid defensively this year relative to uh, to his past shortcomings when he had Rudy Gobert behind him. Uh, and so I think that defensively this Cavs team, I mean, they were the best defense in the league for a reason. And I think that they will play better. I think they will get more rebounds. I think Evan Mobley has another gear offensively that he showed uh, towards the end of the regular season. He's not going to shoot, you know, four of 13 and score eight points um, going forward and project that. Whereas guys like... You know, Bronson was 11 of 24 and um, one of four from three, which isn't deplorable, but, you know, not super efficient. Julius Randle was seven of 20. Don't think he's really going to uh, be able to to really... What Julius Randle is the ultimate flat track bully. Julius Randle <laughs> against the Charlotte Hornets is amazing. Julius Randle going up against Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, I'm not expecting much uh, from Julius. And having watched a lot of Knicks basketball the past six weeks or so, uh, rest in peace, Emmanuel quickly, sixth man of the year, but just seeing Randle go up against good defenses, he has uh, he does not scale up. He's like the anti-Jimmy Butler or anti-Kevin Durant, guys who seem to scale up in the playoffs. I think Randall's going to scale down, just like he did in the Atlanta series a couple of years ago, uh, and I'm not expecting uh, Julius to go off. So, um, yeah, we'll see about Josh Hart's health because that's that's huge because he's their fourth best player, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they're out him and you're not an elite team and you're out your fourth best player, uh, you're in big trouble when you're the underdog coming into the series. But anyway, uh, it's a fun one. Just lastly, uh any interest in the Golden State Warriors plus 150 to win this series now? Or are uh, the Kings, do they deserve their pretty heavy favoritism tag now up to a... I don't mind playing Warriors at that price. I think the Warriors win game three, game four. I think this comes back to Sacramento 2-2. Two, two. Um, Jay, can you believe that one of the historically worst road teams yeah. in, in the regular season lost the first two games on the road? Unbelievable. <laughs> Like I, honestly, like the the the, the Warriors in in in, in, you know, in seriousness, like there were times last night where I was like, these guys, they're old, they're cooked, they're all regressing. Like I was like, Clay Thompson can't, you know, he's getting burned on defense. He's not even involved on offense. And then they run two plays for him, and he just buries two threes and like completely closes the gap in the game. And I was like, okay, well, no, they still definitely have the championship gear. So I, I think it's way, 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 way too early to rule out the uh, the Golden State Warriors because uh, this, yes, this could be a a seven game series, but uh, if uh, you know if there was any kind of situation where the Warriors could solve their road woes, it literally is a Kings team in their first ever game seven. 
Yeah, I I think the concern for the Warriors for me would be that they played really hard last night. They gave everything last night. That wasn't a no-show performance. They really ramped up the intensity. They played Curry 41 minutes. Uh, they started Wiggins and played him 39 minutes. Like, that was Golden State full go, and they just got beaten by... I mean, the Kings, with their pace, it's like they're playing a different sport. I can't really yeah. ever recall this level of pace. And to me, what it reminds me of is... <laughs> Remember that first Chip Kelly, Michael Vick game, uh, a primetime game, I think it was against Washington, where they're just running up and they're just snapping it with 32 seconds on the play clock every time, and it just looks like a different sport. That's the same thing where the Kings are just getting into their offense with 21 seconds on the shot clock. uh, And it's just so hard to defend that it covers up some of their personnel deficiencies. In my heart of hearts, it's just so hard to imagine that this Warriors team, which is now full strength, which now has a sick nine-man rotation that they're actually going to lose to a team that last night was playing Alex Len and Trey Lyles together <laughs> in like meaningful minutes um, in the second quarter. It's just so yeah. hard to cross that bridge. But at the same time now, um, the Kings have just got to win two of five uh, and they're home. So it's a strange series. Uh, it's a strange matchup. The, Mike Brown deserves all the credit in the world because the Kings are only in this position because of the coaching tactic around pace. Sure and the commitment sure. to that. So uh, he certainly earned his, uh, his coach of the year. Do you, you agree that the longer we go into the series, the more heavily this favors the Warriors, right? I mean, in theory, because the Kings, their advantage entirely is pace and you yeah. lose pace as you go further on. But also exactly, I've, never yeah. seen, I've never seen a team just this insanely committed to pace <laughs> at all costs. And it's like it's the only thing that they care about and it should be. Um, so I'm not sure if they're just completely um they're just an antidote to everything that the playoffs have typically represented in terms of the way that series progress but you would have to think that it will slow down a little bit at some point and if it slows down then it's advantage warriors but i mean at the same time like it's not just the warriors the fact that the kings have been able to score um, it's the fact that the Warriors last night defensively couldn't, I mean, offensively couldn't really do much in the half court. Um, but again, the whole game was that I think last night the Kings only played 73% of their possessions in the half court. And if that's going to hold, then I think the Kings are going to win this series. Uh, and I'm not really sure how the Warriors stop that pace, but they're going to have to figure it out. Yeah, I, I am just, um, I am, I'm not going to play the series price on this one, but I'm going to bet every game. Uh, and I really, really, really hope it goes to like a game six, game seven. Um, the, you know, the, I thought the Kings definitely are leaning into the crowd support a lot. The crowd was incredible last night. I think that it really did help elevate everybody's performances. Um, and, you know, the, that energy in a game one and game two can, can kind of, you know, kind of, you know, can kind of lift you up. But in a game seven, if it's a nervous energy, that can absolutely, you know, have an unwanted effect uh, in terms of, you know, guys being tight, missing shots. And I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the thing with the Kings, too, is that like just with the commitment to pace, with how fast they're playing, with how much energy they're expending, that just has to be so much easier to do uh, in front of a home crowd. Oh, without Um, question. Without question. Do that. Uh, in game three against uh, the Warriors in San Francisco. Anyway, we'll get to that one. But for now, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Listen to us in podcast form. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Thanks again to Brad Spielberg for joining us. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you tomorrow. 
Is it just me, or is it getting really hard to figure out the best way to save for retirement? Fidelity can help you find clarity so you can save the best way for you. With a free personalized plan, goal tracking, and timely insights, you'll be set to take on retirement your way. Get started at fidelity.com slash future. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.